0: hello and welcome to the weekly commodity market update i'm brownfield's will robinson joined as always by the university of missouri's ben brown hey ben good morning will how are you i'm doing all right um starting to come down with a little bit of something but hopefully it's not not too terrible and kind of goes away quickly woke up with a sore throat and you know it is what it is springtime sorry to hear that
1: it's never fun to be sick um
0: especially especially
1: as an adult <laughs> I now understand, or I have more appreciation for when I was a kid and sick and what my mom and dad had to do deal with when they were sick. Um, just, it's not fun. So, and yeah. I hope you are okay. I saw that there was some pretty strong winds that came through Ohio. Um, yeah. This week, so, hope you are okay.
0: Yeah. So, yesterday, I guess it was three or four o'clock in the afternoon. There was a big uh, tornado warning that went out, a big alert. And then um, I, I was here in my office here at uh, the Ag Admin Building at Ohio State, and uh the whole building went into the to the lower level into the the auditorium and just kind of hunkered down for a minute but uh nothing not nothing too serious i guess just a you know tornado warning and kind of standard, so. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. You're used to those being from Missouri.
0: Yeah, yeah, you know, it it could be much worse. So looking at uh, uh, tornadoes, uh, speaking of the market, are we seeing some big adjustments there? What what are we uh, we looking at this week? Yeah,
1: sure did. We saw quite a bit of movement uh, over the last week. So this is the last trading day or the first notice day for those March contracts. So I'm sticking with March uh, for our nearby contract, but really I probably should be using the next month But we're going to stick with March for one more week here. So, March corn down 39 cents to 638. December corn down 22 cents to 572. March soybeans down 40 cents to $15 even. Soybeans uh, for November down 35 cents to 1361. That soybean oil complex down two cents per pound to trade just below 60 cents. Uh, soybean meal was up $4.70 to trade at $4.91 uh, per short ton. Old crop wheat down 65 cents to 692. New crop July wheat down 57 cents to 715. And then that West Texas intermediate crude oil was up just about a dollar per barrel uh, at 77 and a half dollars per barrel.
0: So a little bit of mixed action there, uh, especially toward the end, watching drops on wheat. But what uh what what have you really seen lead the way on the market? What's been driving those changes?
1: Yeah, US ethanol production was up 5 million gallons week over week. Uh, that brought production volumes back over 300 million gallons on the week once again. It was also a strong week for gasoline demand. Uh, this was the highest volumes of the calendar year so far. Ag export sales last week were down week over week for corn, extending a three week trend. Soybean meal and oil and grain sorghum were also down. However, volumes were up week over week for soybeans and wheat, all were within trade expectations. USDA released their estimates for the new crop or their first iteration of estimates for the new crop last week at the Ag Outlook Forum. The agency expects corn acreage at 91 million acres, soybeans at 87.5 million, and then a seven-year high at 45, 49 and a half million acres for wheat. Corn prices are expected to fall just over a dollar year over year. Soybeans were down $1.40 year over year, and wheat was down 50 cents. Uh, USDA reported that there were 11.7 million cattle on feed last Friday. That was down 4% from the year prior, but in line with analyst expectations. Uh, We get state story reports today. That's always an exciting day this time of year. But Kansas released their estimates yesterday uh, and that showed that winter wheat in the state of Kansas was 51 or 51% of that wheat was either rated poor or very poor. And then ag export inspections yesterday were mixed, uh, down week over week for corn and soybeans, but up week over week for grain, sorghum, and wheat. For soybeans, this was the lowest volume since early October. Uh, the corn export deficit grew another 18 million bushels on the week.
0: So uh, going back to one of those highlights that you touched on there, talking about wheat acreage, uh, I'm expecting a, a possible seven-year high. How much is that linked, I guess, to today's topic as we you know, past the one year anniversary of the Russian-Ukrainian conflict, how much is that linked to the the turmoil in the Black Sea region?
1: Yeah, I think some of it is. Uh, if you remember right, that, well, we just passed the one year, as you mentioned, uh, we just passed the one year and that was already too late to add, you know, additional winter wheat acres last year. Uh, and so, you know, in some ways, we're we're seeing the high prices bring in some more wheat acres in 2020, well planted in 2022 to be harvested in 2023. So, I think that is one factor that we've seen higher prices, higher global demand outside that region um, as they struggle to produce um, and and struggle to export. But then I think there's a couple other things that need to be captured in here as well. One, uh, the, the crop insurance changes that have made double cropping a little bit more attractive, both in terms of uh, a premium for double crop or you know a, an added benefit to just even looking at it, but then also providing yields um, and allowing farmers to use historical yields Um, for those double crop soybean acres I think is a big deal and has probably made it a little bit more comfortable for people to take the risk and plant that second crop behind wheat or you know it doesn't have to be soybeans it can be grain sorghum too but when I when we look at those wheat acres you know Illinois saw a a pretty large increase in in soft red winter uh, which is what's grown primarily in the eastern corn belt and that's where we saw a big increase in in acreage and so I do think it's some double crop uh, benefit coming into the mix, not just what's happening in Ukraine, but certainly both of those in in combination, I think, have led to some of this higher wheat acres.
0: Well, and just looking at things kind of one year in review uh, after the, the Russian-Ukrainian conflict uh, started, you know, we saw a lot of large swings early on and even throughout the summer uh, of uh, market prices, expectations on available supply. Uh, so now, you know, even as those news tidbits come out nowadays, the the market doesn't react quite as drastically, it seems. So Ben, what's your expectation on the role that uh, the Russian-Ukrainian engagement really is is continuing to play in the market as we look at year two?
1: Yeah, so I would agree with you that the market kind of got a little bit, um, you know, we we were still reacting to major news coming out of the region, but the markets weren't following every small little report that was coming out, right? Like what we saw at the very beginning of, of the, the conflict. Yeah, so a couple of things. One, uh, the that grain corridor that is a negotiation between the United Nations and Russia, Ukraine, and the United States, you know, there's a lot of players in that. Um, That has been a benefit to help get product out of the region. Um, I I don't want people to overlook the significance, even though it has been slow to move product through that grain corridor. Um, That has been a significant boost uh, to getting product out of that region for those producers. That deal comes up for, you know, expiration here in the next two weeks. Um, It's being renegotiated at the moment. Um, I think there's reason to be optimistic that it will get extended Uh, But certainly, you know, if that were to end over the next two weeks, um, that would be a very bullish factor to our markets, our wheat markets here in the United States. Conversely to that, um, you know, we had built up a little extra war premium. um, If I can say that, I'm not sure that's the correct term, you know, war war premium, risk premium, whatever you want to call it. Um, in the markets over the last couple of weeks as as aggression really started to ramp up uh, by Russia into Ukraine. Uh, That seems to have settled just a little bit here as we look to turn the calendar year to March, uh, but still very much a a, a viable threat. Um, And so that's why we saw some downward pressure last week, Um, you know, those higher U.S. acreage reports, but then even just, you know, a little bit of a discount in terms of that risk premium there.
0: So as those uh, extension negotiations on that trade corridor go on over the next couple of weeks, how do you expect traders to really react to news coming from that? Do you expect bigger swings, uh, you know, on either side, uh, depending on what news is kind of pumped out of there?
1: Well, certainly if, if Putin goes into the world stage and, and announces that he's not going to extend the deal, very similar to what we saw back last November. So I'm, gonna, I'm just going to take people back a few months. Um, you know, we were we were negotiating this extension to the grain corridor last uh, early last November. Putin came out and said he was not extending it. There was no way he was extending it. We saw about a 50 to 70 cent rise in, in some of our grain grain crops, corn and soybean, or corn and wheat, Um, Only for like the next day or later that afternoon, I guess, in their time zone um, for for it to kind of mellow out. And then we saw the retraction from that. Right. So that was a pretty wild two day period. Uh, I'm certainly not putting that out of the question. That certainly could still happen. We just haven't seen it yet. Um, We're probably also not close enough for that to be used as a negotiation tactic. Um, But, you know, that's certainly a risk over the next two weeks is, you know, some rather large 50 cent moves um, in multiple days.
0: Well, and talking about the, uh, the acreage battle that, you know, we could, you know, see a, a, a gain within, you talked about some of that being double crop as well, but how do you see uh, corn and soybeans really adjusting it as we see maybe some more wheat acreage come online?
1: Yeah, good question. So traditionally, when we'd say we saw additional wheat, uh, you know, we we would be talking about primarily in the western part of the United States. Uh, that was always kind of the the primary wheat. It battled very heavily with soybeans uh, because it wasn't a it wasn't a double cropping region really. Um, now, when I think when we see these large acreage adjustments or increases for soft red winter wheat, primarily in the eastern corn belt. I think you have to step back and say, okay, is this actually really competition uh, with, with corn and soybeans, or is this just an addition to? Uh, and that's that's maybe my my statement here is, let's just say the wheat continues all the way through to maturity, which I do think we'll see some high abandonment. Um, I even think you'll see some wheat abandonment. And admit um, in the Eastern Corn Belt and replaced with full season soybeans or corn. Um, however, uh, let's just say it goes all the way to grain. I fully expect every acre that's eligible um, to be planted with uh, a soybean crop following it. Uh, and so at that point, you're not talking about a substitution uh, away from soybeans or corn into wheat. You're just talking about in addition to so. Uh, again, that those double crop premiums, uh, or that you know that premium subsidy for a double crop in crop insurance, I think is playing a role. But I don't want producers and people to overlook the fact that in many counties across the country this year, producers are able to get um, actual yields or use their yields on that double crop soybean, you know, crop. So um, very, very attractive. You know, it, it helps mitigate some of the risks faced by double cropping.
0: Well, semi-related to what we're seeing, and in some aspects directly related. Looking at the energy sector earlier, you talked about the the bump up in demand in crude oil. Um, what are we seeing? Some of those residuals, like when you see, uh, you know, ethanol support. Uh, what are your expectations moving forward in kind of the the ag energy market?
1: Yeah, so we we have seen uh, kind of, I guess, some moderation, if you will, in in energy markets just across the board. Um, uh just crude oil strategic reserves or crude oil stocks um, have continued to increase as that strategic reserve has kind of been worked down. Right. So like we're building crude oil stocks have pretty much all calendar year so far. That's also been coming as a, a boost to um, distillate fuel, which is diesel. So as we look ready for planting, maybe um, some relief right now, building into that that heavy demand cycle. So that's good news, I think, for producers as we look ahead. Um, I think on the gasoline side, you know, we saw a, a very strong week of extra gasoline demand i think as people are you know kind of breaking free with some of this nicer weather um i don't know if that's a good term to use there either but breaking out of their homes and offices um as the weather's turned nicer to go explore and different things like that i think that's a a strong sign for for ethanol and and just kind of gasoline markets as we look ahead i certainly anticipate that the the higher demand is going to work down gasoline stocks and probably increase gasoline prices a little bit further as we as we look ahead um but i you know i think for the ethanol market we kind of dug ourselves in a hole i don't see us getting out of that hole and and i think we'll probably end up having to reduce ethanol use
0: um or corn use for ethanol another 10 million bushels by the time we get to the end of the calendar year all right ben well looking ahead as we uh, turn the calendar into march what reports and and factors should farmers really be paying attention to
1: yeah so as i mentioned earlier state stories come out today at at 11 that's a that's always, uh, or excuse me, noon. Um, State stories come out today at noon, uh, Central Time. That's always an exciting one. Uh, people overlook them, but there's usually some nice nuggets buried in there. Um, also, as we turn to March, uh, March first uh, on Wednesday, we get the grain crushings and then fat and oil seeds. That kind of gives us an idea of, of some of those extraction rates, which has been kind of interesting to watch on the soybean side to look at, see how how much oil we're extracting from every bushel of soybeans. Thursday, export sales, and then Friday, Commodity Trading Commission reports. So uh, a pretty pretty normal week uh, as we turn the calendar to March.
0: All right, Ben. It's always a pleasure. Uh, always uh, nice to have your insight on these topics. Uh, viewers, listeners, if you'd like to learn more about what we do, you can do so at brownfieldagnews.com. There you can also check out our sister program, the weekly livestock market update with Megan Grebner and the University of Missouri's Scott Brown. Uh, again, Ben, thank you. It's uh, always a pleasure. I'm Will Robinson on Brownfield.